Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Thank you. My name is Pamela. I'm a compulsive overeater and very happy to be here today. Not feeling so good. So this is just going to be up to God. But isn't it all everything up to God anyway? What can I say? So I am a compulsive overeater. How do I how do I know I'm really a compulsive overeater? Because if you put it out there, Godiva, Chardonnay, marijuana, sleeping pills, Brad Pitt, a Neiman Marcus credit card, I'm really good at all of them. But the deal is when I first came into program, I had to, my, I did the workbook questions and it said, write about your history of eating. So, That meant to me, it had nothing to do with what I ate. It had nothing to do with my problem. It had nothing to do with my feelings. It was all just a technical question. It obviously was talking about the diets I was on. And so I had been on a multitude of diets and I wrote them down. Starting at 10 years old, when my first diet of pears and cottage cheese allowed me, aha, uh-huh, a list on my sheet, pears and cottage cheese diet, my beginning weight, my ending weight, and I lost five pounds. So I went from age 10 to age 50 and wrote down every crazy thing I did. And there were a lot of them. And I looked and I had gained and lost 685 pounds. I never weighed more than 220. I never weighed less than 120. But I mean, I couldn't wear the same size. If I stayed in it a week, that was longevity. It was just up and down and up and down. So I don't know how I got this disease. I really don't know. I use outside uh, help. I I have a therapist and I mentioned to a therapist where I was dealing with the aging process that um, while all my problems were, I feel like I'm not good enough and I feel like I'm not enough because I'm adopted. And she said, everybody that's adopted feels like that. Next, you know, so I didn't get to dwell on the problem. I got to dwell on the solution. And that's where I'm at right now. How did I get into this program? My sorority sister called me after I'd been in California for some years and said she had just decided to go to AA because she, um, because she would get because she wasn't in control of her drinking. And I always thought, but she gets blotto after two drinks. But the two drinks isn't the relevant. It's the blotto. 
that's the relevant. So if you're playing around with food allows you to escape, then that's not a good thing to do. So like I said, I was never 200 pounds, 300 pounds, 400 pounds, 500 pounds. But I did think about eating a lot. And I love sugar and I love carbohydrates. And I just use them whenever life hit a rough course. And so, so she was then in AA and she called me and she said, I said, how are things going? She says, not so good. You know, um, I'm in Minnesota and I'm divorced now and everybody here is married and I go to meetings and I feel like I don't belong because I'm not married. I said, come to Los Angeles. You can be married. You can be unmarried. You can be living with someone of the same sex. You can be married to someone of the opposite sex. You can do all five. Nobody cares. This is Holly Weird. Come here. And she came. And, you know, she sat in my breakfast room and she had this notebook and she was writing and writing and writing. I thought, man, she's got to be out of her mind. And then she got these little recipe cards and she got a little box for them and she did writing and writing and writing and I thought oh my goodness she must be crazy but you know she took those cards out and she told me she was making amends and when she finished amends she was a different person and I said to myself well she still isn't as cool as I am but if I could improve From where I am right now, that percentage that she's improved, that glimpse of serenity, that glimpse of peace, that's what I want. So I have to say that I did come in the program for sanity. Everybody says they came in for vanity. Well, I lost 685 pounds a million different ways. I I didn't need to come in to be thin. I needed to not be so crazy. So I came in, and if any of you newcomers um, are worrying about a sponsor, yes, that's the first thing you should do. You should get a sponsor. But it doesn't have to be the perfect person. It just has to be a person you can talk to today. For me, I said to my friend, do you know anybody in AA that's got really great recovery and could be an OA sponsor? And she found somebody and I interviewed here, okay, to make sure she had all the qualifications I need. Asked her to be my sponsor. She had me go to meetings on the other side of town during rush hour and I did it. And six weeks later, yes, God played a trick on me. She decided she was going to go to Al-Anon, not OA. And I had no sponsor, but I did get one. I did. I do have to admit I did get a sponsor and it just turned out to be somebody who shared and they made me laugh and they made me feel on the inside hope. And so I picked them and, and I've had, I think I've had my last sponsor for a long time. Oh, to qualify. Oh, to qualify. So. I've lost 85 pounds from my top weight, and I have 29 years of abstinence. Now, I have to tell the real truth, it might be 28. 
I'm 80 years old and I can't remember all of these details, but there's something I can remember. And that's what I had for breakfast yesterday. Because one of the things I started doing, not the first year, not the second year, probably after five years of program, I started writing my food down. Yes, people said they weighed and measured and they wrote their food down. I said, Oy vey, I would rather be fat. I would rather be crazy. I am not going to weigh and measure. That's the craziest thing in the whole world. So I have an app on my phone. I have been recording my food since 2010. It's not that I have a mind. I'm 80 years old. My mind is gone. But it, it, my phone tells me I've been recording since 2010. And how did that happen? Well, I now, the people I work with, I really encourage them from the very beginning just to write their food down. We're, we're not going to make any judgments it has nothing to do with what you do or don't eat. It just has to do an idea of being aware of what you're doing. I was never, I would be eating and I wouldn't know I would be eating because I would be reading. I would be watching television. I would be doing five other things, but there was always a lot of chewing and swallowing involved. So I really, really advise people to do that. Like I said, I made fun of people. I came in and everybody would get up and say, when I came to the program, I, I was just in such fear. I'd, I'd come in late and sit in the back of the room. And then as soon as the meeting was over, I would run out. I said, I'm a tough cookie. I'm, these people are friggin' sick. I'm not as sick as they are. I'm going to show up early and I'm going to leave late. And I did. How did I deal with it? Aha. Uh -huh. Well, God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I said, I didn't want to have somebody say, how are you doing? And I would say, fine. And then I'd say, oh, do you want help setting up the chairs? Um, after the meeting, they would say, how did you like the meeting? And I'd say, where do I bring the trash? I didn't want you to, I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want you to see what an ugly, terrible person I was on the inside. But what happened is I got all of these people who said, oh, Pam, she's really nice. She's always helping out. And so all of a sudden, people started reaching out to me and being more friendly to me. So when I say do service, do it because it gets you out of yourself. That's the most important thing. I'm not doing something that's going to fix me. I used it as a hiding technique, but it was very poor. If you have, want to use it as a hiding technique, because a lot of people got to know me. And the other thing it did was in, got me to do service on a recognizable level. So I, my profession was in the technical field. I was in management. I got to control. I got to tell everybody what to do. And, and it was my job. And so the next thing I found was, well, wow, if I'm on the intergroup board, I get to talk and tell everybody what to do. So that's what I did next. And I did it for very selfish reasons. But in doing it, 
I try to be more aware of other people and other people's needs and not being the one to control the conversation all the time. I'm not very good at that even now. I have to tell you, I'm a talker. I just want to have all the attention on me and I have the best stuff to say because I'm the cleverest. But I work a lot on that last tool, which is unpublished, but to me, it's the most important tool and that's bite your tongue. Keep the mouth shut. Like I said, I'm not very good at it, but I know it's very important. And so I do other things in the program. I started doing the program. I started doing service. And okay, so it was above the meeting level. It was above the intergroup level. And I got to be bossy and controlling and use my organizational skills. But along the way, God allowed me to do things that helped other people. And now with 29 years of abstinence, I can go anywhere. I can talk at any meeting. And there'll always be someone that says, I remember when you brought Region 2 to San Mateo and you did this, you had entertainment. I don't know what the hell. They say something they remember. And that makes me feel good. Like I did help other people. So, okay. So there you have it. We started out, what it was like was I like to eat. And eating replaced every emotion there was. And I still felt like a piece of doo-doo. Then I got in the program. I got a sponsor. I started working the steps. I did the steps. I did service. And now I'm going to tell you what it's like. Now I have, I have cancer. You know, it's not such a big deal. I don't know why I feel like that, but I don't feel so bad. This very moment, I'm feeling a little bit nauseous, but I can talk. So you know that I, I, I'm not on death's door. Yeah, every day is not a hundred percent, but every day is 95%. I am happy. I am joyous. And I am free. And let me just tell you what that means for me. Because that's really what I have to share with you and give with, give to you. And what does happy mean? Happy means I'm not afraid anymore. So am I a hundred percent? Hell no. For some reason, I fear God is going to take care of me. As far as my health and livelihood is concerned, but I do have an ongoing fear of financial insecurity. I am so messed up that now I know I'm going to be okay. Everything is going to end okay. Because I had an abnormal fear of financial insecurity before program. I did some things which allowed me not to pay off some of my debts. I didn't do anything illegal. I went to court. I did all the things you were supposed to do. And I got free of financial insecurity. You know what I'm worried about now? I'm I'm worried about I'm not going to leave enough money to my kids. 
I mean, so I'm not perfect, but 90% of the time I don't have fear. And, you know, the reason is, is I know that what happens today, tomorrow, and from now on is God's will. And God is everything. And God will take care of me. And God will take care of my kids. And I mean, why I think I need to leave them X or Y amount of money. And I don't know. That's just my thing. But myself, I have no fear of financial insecurity. But maybe I need not to control myself, but I need to control myself. My kids. Excuse me, five minutes left, Pamela. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about joyous. This is the best part of my life. I got cancer. I'm okay. I'm okay with cancer. You know, they said, you're not going to have to have chemo. And I said, yay. They said, you're going to have to take these pills. They don't make you feel so good. So for right today, I'm not feeling so good. But you know, I walked three and a half miles yesterday. I caught buses. I went, I went, okay. I did slip into one store. Okay. I know, you know what I mean? I, I'm not, I'm not on death's door. I do take a ride when I have to go places, but I live in gratitude. And that's what I try to pay attention to. What do I have today? That makes me happy. I have friends. I have a program. I have a wonderful family. Not everybody is perfect, but everything that happens to me, I am very joyous with. Okay, so I don't know if I'm talking loud because one of the things that happened a week ago is all of a sudden it felt like I have water in my ear. And I went and saw my doctor and her nurse couldn't get the way. They said, oh, it's wax. I then go to the specialist with Oive. They said, we can't see you until May. And I made a big stink. And I went in and they took the wax out. It didn't do any good. So we'll find out. One day at a time, I can handle if I'm talking a little bit loud. It's not the end of the world. It's not. My life is of so much happiness, of so much joy, of so much people. And everything that happens is a gift from God. Remember, I say, if it comes in the turquoise blue Tiffany box, we say, oh, that's a wonderful gift. But if it comes in the, in the, the recycled Trader Joe bag that's got a little grease on it, we're saying, oh, I don't know if I even want to open that gift up. But it will be a gift from God. It's not always recognizable as that, but everything is a gift from God. And I have to look at the whole world like that. That's what living in gratitude means to me. Take everything with a smile. Happy, joyous, and free. Free is the best part. I am free of my obsession about food. That is gone. I so a sponsee says to me, you know, I have this food on the red light list and I've had it on for years. And what should I do? I, I feel like I should try it again. What's your experience? And I said, well, you know, 
Okay, so my abstinence now is no sugar, no gluten, no artificial chemical sweeteners. I'm a vegetarian. I don't have alcohol. I don't have carbonation. I don't know. I don't have a lot of things. And it's really just such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful way to live. And, but I remember I first got abstinent and I said, okay, I am, I'm not going to eat sugar or flour. It took me five years to not eat sugar or flours, but it's gone. But one of the things I did do was eat no sugar added ice cream that you could buy by the gallon. And I would have two servings every night and I found out I couldn't live without it. So I got rid of that and I haven't had it since. And then my daughter bought this keto ice cream that, and I tasted it and I said, oh, this is really good. So I bought some. Today, go in my freezer, two containers, different flavors, keto, no sugar, stevia sweetened ice cream. They're full. I'm relieved of the obsession to have the foods that used to call to me. I mean, I look at them every day and I say, you know, I need to try that ice cream. I love that flavor. And then it's time to go to bed and I'm writing all my food down and I say, oh, shoot, I forgot to eat the ice cream. Excuse me, that's your time, Pamela. So what more could you ask for? That's what the program has given me. I am happy. I am joyous. And I am free. And anything I haven't talked about, ask me a question. Maybe I can answer it. Thank you for letting me share. Pamela, do you want me to call on people that have raised hands? This is Jeff. Sure. Okay. Um, Holly. Thank you. I'm Holly. I'm a compulsive overeater. That was an amazing share. And I hope you feel better soon. I have a very rudimentary question, and that is, Pam, what app do you use to record your meals on? Oh, is that a, that's an outside issue? I guess I should put it in the chat. Okay, I, I can I mention more than one? I just Final don't want to. I use my fitness pal, but there's another one called. I, I, it just fell out of my mind, you know. That's I don't okay. I'll much. start with, I'll start there. Thank you. Okay, great. Lose it. The other one's called Lose It. Okay, thanks, Holly. Carol, you're next. Hi, Pamela. Thanks so much for your share. Um, you know, I've often heard you say that your bottom line abstinence is loving yourself. And um, since I originally heard you state that probably over 20 years ago, I thought, how in God's green earth does she accomplish that and get strings of days? Because if that were my abstinence, I, I, I don't know if I could get three days. So can you speak to that and how do you how do you ascertain whether you love yourself? Is it just you assert it and so it is? How on God's green earth do you keep maintain a bottom line abstinence of loving yourself? Thank you. Thanks for your share. Okay, okay. so the quick answer is 
I watch everything. I pay attention to everything that goes in my mouth and everything that comes out of my mouth. And that's how I can love myself because I bite my tongue. Remember the bite the tongue? You know, loving myself is kind of an accepting thing. It's not patting myself on the back. It's not feeling great, but it's not beating myself up. It's accepting myself and realizing that everything that I am and that I do is really just an act of God. God is just acting through me. This is not done by I don't have to push myself to love myself because the God in me allows me to love the God in the entire universe. It's just everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Is it though? Is it my, according to my plan? Hell no. But everything is the way it's supposed to be. And if I don't see it right away, I take a deep breath and I look again. Getting a cancer diagnosis was kind of a shot between the eyes. You know, is this a gift? Yes. Oh, I've gotten so much better since I've had cancer. I have, I rent out rooms and so I have tenants and I know I don't look like this kind of person, but I sometimes don't speak up and set my own boundaries. And I did that. I did that a couple of days ago with someone who is just driving me crazy. And they're happy. They changed their behavior. So I'm happy. I mean, it just, it's just by the grace of God that I'm able to speak my truth and have that be a reflection of the wonderment of God in my higher power. Okay. Thanks, Carol. Bobby, you're next. Thank you. Pamela, thank you. You are amazing. I have a, the question is, I love, I love how you, you say, Everything is a gift from God, including the cancer, which, by the way, I I have had cancer also. Um, did you get to that um, belief that everything is a gift from God immediately? Or did it take you a while? Or do you sometimes go, darn it, I'd really like, I wish, wish things would have been that way but it's not. And you, then you have to have acceptance. Does it, do you go to a gift from God, third step, 11 step automatically, immediately? No, I have not perfected the skill of walking on water yet, but okay. Let me tell you it, it was surrender in this program. And I'm so glad you asked this because I, started the program, wear my abstinence like a loose cloak, just, you know, I wanted it to be no sugar and no flour, but it was three meals on the plate, no seconds, you know, just whatever bullshit things I could do to make me feel okay about myself. Then after, and then I was able to do it all, and I got rid of sugar, and I got rid of flour, 
I don't know what happened, but I gained weight. And I was totally beside myself. And, and I thought I should stop doing service. I mean, okay. So I probably gained 10 pounds, you know, but we're crazy or maybe 15 pounds. It was a size or two. I, 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 I did all these sizes beforehand and I decided six was a really great number. And all of a sudden I'm in program and I'm in 10. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's double digits. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I thought, okay, let's just think I'm going into Macy's to buy some clothes. I look, I go to the women's department and they start with zero and they end with 20. Sometimes they start with two and end with 18. But those are the sizes. People always say, be in the middle of the pack. I said, well, 10 is right in the middle of the pack and 12 isn't far off. So I was those sizes. I, every day I knew that I had to accept the size I was. I, I, I didn't feel that God was putting me in harm's way. Small children were not saying, look at this fat lady. I could take one seat on the bus. I was fine. So I decided I would accept whatever size God wanted me to be. Okay, this was not overnight. This took a lot of debate and arguments and second opinions being presented to my higher power about his or her ability to judge women's sizing. I thought maybe there was a refresher course that God could take because this was all totally wrong. Six was the number, 12 was not the number. And I just said, okay, I'm going to buy 10s. I'm going to buy 12s. I'm going to be in this size. This is like a medium. Like, what's the problem? Why do I need that? Get over yourself. And that's what changed everything. That's what changed everything. When I was willing to accept that God had my best interests at heart. And God is either everything or God is nothing. So, but I'm back in a size six, just in case you wanted to know. <laughs> and sometimes it's bigger and sometimes it's smaller. Why? God's in charge. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, Ellie. Hi, Pam. Um, I'm Ellie. And I'm an old timer in a way. I'm one of those people that used to know you and we used to laugh a lot. And, and, and I love, I'm laughing through this whole share and I really appreciate everything. My question is, is, uh, since you're an old timer and I'm an old timer, it's like, how do you move forward in the program and, and generally in life? How do you move forward? Like, how do you keep it happy and fun? Um, I couldn't live without this program. I couldn't live without these meetings. I live in gratitude. Everything is up to God. I can say that, but in minute to minute, hour to hour, second to second, I'm like, oh my God. ah!" (laughs) Everything is not peaceful. Everything is the way I've always been, but I have peace. I have I am happy, I am joyous, I am free. 
And if I didn't have, if I didn't listen a couple times a week to somebody else's story and see the happiness they have and learn to appreciate what I have, I don't know. I might be eating that ice cream. I don't know. I'll let you know. But I really, really, really need to stay involved. I really need to stay involved. And I sponsor people. I just had the greatest gift. A lady in my neighborhood who I've known 30 years who said she had AA experience but has been struggling with her weight forever just asked me to be her sponsor. And what a joy. What a joy working with someone and writing the food down and doing a 10th step. What a joy. I might forget to give. And if I don't give, if I don't open myself up to sharing and giving of myself, I'm, I get locked up and I can't receive, you know, it's a two way street. It's a two way street. And so I have to stay in this program because I have to keep giving and then I, then I get to keep receiving. And, and I hear something every day. I see something every day that just kind of keeps my spirit going. And I love you all. I mean, you're all my best friends. Thanks, Ellie. Don, you're next. Uh, Thank you, Pamela. That was wonderful, as always. Um, The question I have for you is, um, how has your concept of a higher power changed during program, and what is it today? Well, that's a really good question. Um, When I came in the program, I thought a higher power was for those people that were too weak to, you know, just get their life in order. You know what I mean? If they were smoking what I was smoking, they probably wouldn't need a higher power. But I didn't need one because I had it together. And I didn't really believe there was one, but I just acted as if forever. And I would say that until I surrendered my weight, I didn't really get a firm connection And now I feel like I have, I have something that's going to take care of me. That is the final say is never going to give me more than I can handle. Will always give me enough to keep me going. And for me particularly, I came to this program. I realized I needed a higher power. I realized I had no religious background, so I adopted a religion. And I was very active in that religion for 20-some years. It was a big part of my life. It was a big part of everything I did. And then around the pandemic time, it came to light, a book was written, and it came to light that the guru that we were all following I didn't follow him so much, okay? I'm kind of an old lady. He was just another person, but he had a lot of good ideas. Well, it turned out he abused people sexually, children, women. He abused people financially. And that whole group fell apart. And I'm struggling with that right now. You know, just 
having a religion really helped me maintain a contact with God. It's much harder now that I don't. My neighbor happens to be a person who started a very popular offshoot of the Christian religion, and he tells me to come to his church. But you know, it's at 11 o'clock on Sunday, and that's when I do Serenity Sunday. So I just have to figure out how it's going to work. But I don't even know if I answered that question. It seems like I went way off track. I'm 80. I have one minute left. Um, I have a quick question. How has your relationship with others changed since in program? I don't know if if, uh, 45 seconds is long enough. It's not what they can do for me which is how I used to run my life. People were my friends because they fit in one of these categories that boosted me up. Now it's what I can do for them. And I'm not perfect. I take it one day at a time, one minute at a time, but that's really what I try to do. What do I, what, Like I told you, my happiest moment was this neighbor saying, can I be, would you be my sponsor? I thought, oh, shit. Now I have eight sponsees. That's like six too many. But anyway, I said yes, and it's been a wonderful gift from God. 